The following is a Secure Foundation broadcast. If you do not have the proper security clearance to listen to this broadcast, please turn off your listening device now and turn yourself in to the police. Our personnel will take it from there. Commencing playback of deadly auditory cognito hazard in 3, 2, 1. Hello, and welcome to the Secure Contain Podcast, the show that explains and discusses every aspect of the SCP Foundation, one topic at a time. I'm your co-host, David. And I'm your co-host, Soren. And today we're going to be talking about a couple things, uh, primarily uh, classes, which we briefly mentioned last episode, uh, security levels, which we also kind of mentioned, um, not really in-depth, um, as well as personal classifications and security facilities. Uh, yeah, the secure facilities and everything. Uh, we're going to get to all that in due time. We're going to start again with one of the main things in the Foundation, and that's going to be classes. Classes are um, the designations that kind of categorize an SCP. And the main, there's uh, five main ones. Three of them are much more common than the others. Um, and those would be safe, Euclid, Keter, which are like the they're main the, they're three, the more common, the first common three ones, or whatever. Yeah. Um, then there's Thaumiel and Neutralized. And there are some other non-standard ones that we'll get to in a bit. Um, so to start us off, safe SCPs. The name is misleading. Yeah. Because that doesn't mean they're safe. I linked the wrong one for safe. Yeah, I noticed. All right, and our first article, which is just generally um, a good example of a safe SCP, uh, showing that it isn't always safe, it's just easy to contain... Uh, would be 914 The Clockwork, uh, which is, uh, again, one of the more well-known ones. We briefly mentioned it in the last one. Um, but it is, again, a large clockwork device weighing several tons and covering an area of 18 square meters consisting of screwdrivers, belts, pulleys, gears, springs, and other clockwork. It is incredibly complex, consisting of over 8 million moving parts comprised mostly of tin and copper with some wooden and cloth items observed. That's a big boy. Observation and probing have shown no electronic assemblies or any form of power other than the mainspring under the selection panel. Two large booths, 3 meters by 2.1 meters by 2.1 meters, uh, 10 feet by 7 feet by 7 feet, are connected via copper tubes to the main body of 914, labeled intake and output. Between them is a copper panel with a large knob with a small arrow attached. The words rough, coarse, one-to-one, fine, and very fine are positioned at points around the knob. Below the knob is a large key that winds the mainspring. It's a clockwork machine that has pan- that has boosts on the sides for intake and output and different settings for it. When an object is placed in the intake booth, a door slides shut and a small bell sounds. If the knob is turned to any position and the key wound up, it will refine the object in the booth. No energy is lost in the process. Appears to be in stasis until the output booth door is opened. Intense observation and testing have not shown how 914 accomplishes this. No test object has ever been inser- observed inside 914 during the refining process. It takes between 5 and 10 minutes, depending on the size of the object. Then there's a whole 
test log of things, and then there's a link to a huge long test log, which is very fun to read. But if you take, like, for example, a kilogram of steel uh, put in at rough, gave a bunch of steel chunks appearing to be cut by laser. Uh, one kilogram of steel in steel uh, setting 101 gave steel screws. On fine, it gave carpet tacks. Um, on very fine, several gases it dissipated into the air quickly, and one gram of an unknown metal resistant to heat of 50,000 degrees, impossible to bend or break with any force, and a near-perfect uh, conductor of electricity with some units there that I don't know. <laughs> Big, complicated numbers. Got very quiet there. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, there's a lot of things. It can do a lot of things. It refines them. But the main thing is, like, if you look at the um, stuff, it's not safe. For example, like, if you put something in, if you put a human in on very fine, uh, it says it escaped from test chamber, killing eight guards as well as two doctors. Lockdown initiated caused containment failure of three SCP areas and continued escape attempt. Several wounding of subject, partial memory loss and special response team members, and corrosive damage to plumbing. Subject expires several hours later, dissolving into blue ash and blinding nearly nearby research teams. Yeesh. It's not safe. It's not a safe thing. You can't just have it and say it's a safe object. <laughs> but it's, it's also safe not. so long as you yeah. don't do dumb things with it. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty simple, actually. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that kind of goes for most things, actually. Yeah, the safe thing is it's safe so long as you don't do things. It's, it's safe when it's contained. It's contained easily, and it is safe. Kind of like alcohol. <laughs> I said a lot of words there, and they make sense. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Okay. All right. That's basically safe. Safe doesn't mean it's not dangerous. Safe means it's not dangerous on its own. You have to do something for it to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Whether that dangerous thing might just be interact with it, but it won't be able to, like, escape if you open the door, usually. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the now, example we also just gave was a big-ass clock, so, like... <laughs> well, kind of. Clockwork. It's, like, gears and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just Gears roll on out the door. All that. <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> I've given up. <laughs> now the next one, one of the more well-known ones, especially recently with its uh, rewrites and stuff, is our Euclid class example, SCP-049. We talked about this a, quite a bit in the last one. Um, yeah, we went through most of it. Yeah, it's a plague doctor. Uh, looking fellow with the mask and the cloth being biological and everything it tries to cure people who it declares to have the pestilence but they always die sometimes they are zombies but um things like <laughs> that but the main thing is that about being euclid is it is usually cooperative but since it's sentient and everything sometimes it'll declare that the pestilence needs to be purged and it'll try and attack people most of the time it's fine but sometimes it's not Euclid is you're not quite sure what it'll do. Euclid is somewhat dangerous, somewhat harder to contain, things like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's in the middle. It's 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 basically the gray area of yeah. Classes. It's the middle one, and we'll be talking about an easy way to figure them out in a moment. Um, our um, Keter example <laughs> is I can't. It's it's hard to look at the face. It, our, also, our example is... I, uh, I've been desensitized to this image on the site. Yeah. Um, it's SCP-106. Also known uh, as... The old man, sometimes people call him Radical Larry. <laughs> and I will always call him Radical Larry. 
the, uh, the, um, the the picture for him looks like a cursed image. If that's if you need uh, any context for that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that like the source of that image is it was from some kind of surgery, and also photoshopped. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like it. I, I love the caption it's, for it too, though. Just SCP-106 mid-emergence. Yeah. So <laughs> where's he emerging uh, from? Yeah, I'm not gonna read the article like word for word on this one. We can do that later if you guys uh, would like us if to. we do something like that. But the main thing is that it's contained in like a box that's suspended inside a box, and that repeats like ten times with with the support beams being in different spots. Uh, oh, and they're spherical. And they're um, filled with various fluids and a random assembly of surfaces and supports. And it can also uh, put a ton, a, t- a ton, a ton of light with no human uh, involvement if it if he starts escaping. Basically, um, this is trying to get him to leave because he can. The, what radical Larry can do is he can move through things. Some things slower, some things faster. Moves through can walk through anything and will cause it to corrode behind him can also retreat quote in like into that material and rather than appearing on the other side can retreat to his pocket dimension where some of his victims are also tortured but um they've done all this stuff to try and contain him but the main thing is he'll still breach occasionally and that's the thing keter is tend to occasionally breach or very dangerous or both. He um, he'll corrode doors and stuff. He'll corrode people. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> that got dark. It is assumed is it assumed to be a pre-digestion action. Uh, it, also, corrosion fun. continues for six hours. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Kier is kind of the it's it's still sort of in that gray area, but it's it's farther down the dangerous road. Yeah, this is a Keter uh, object. But okay. the it appears to move through walls, but basically it can move into any material, into his pocket dimension, and then out of that same material in, like, a same spot. So it can move in on one side, out the other. That's And he does that a lot um, when he's breaching. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen. Like, at the bottom, there's another uh, cursed image of a victim who is brought to the pocket dimension. Um... And the recontainment thing is there's a um, D-class in there, which is what we'll talk about later, D-class or disposable, disposable class. Um, you go in there, and they cry out, and if Radicalary doesn't come, they break his leg, and then uh, hopefully Radicalary comes back, and if not, then whatever, because <laughs> they broadcast that stuff all over uh, everything. But that's that's uh, an idea of Keter, and if you want nightmares, look up the image. <laughs> uh, I think you can hold on. Let me check something. Hey, hey, hey! Don't make fun of Radical Larry. He's a cutie. If you just yeah, if you just look up Radical Larry, uh, you have not the right image. Some, some. <laughs> it's still funny though. <laughs> it is very funny. Yeah, if you you should be able to look up uh what SCP one hundred six I believe. Yeah, I think there are a lot of SCPs that you can just look up the number, and it's not one. Of, this is not one of them. Um, no, it is. But I know that if you look up, like, 173, the number, the first article is the SCP thing, uh, followed by the Wikipedia entry for the number 173. <laughs> yeah, I, I googled which, uh, S- I googled SCP-106, and it's the second image, so. Yeah. Wanna... 
gonna look at that. That's uh, funny. And right below it is a picture of Vsauce Michael. <laughs> Why? Hold on. Wait. Okay. Uh, we're taking an aversion. This has become a comedy show, uh, which it might already be. I don't know what your definition of comedy is. Uh, images. Did you mean what? I don't see that result. I go I googled Did SCP. No, just SCP space one zero six. Clicked on the second image and then right below, oh. I scrolled down and saw Vsauce Michael just. Uh, he he's chilling. You know, oh, I do. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> That's actually kind of hilarious. I wish this was a video, a visual medium. It's just a like a somewhat darkened image, but it look it. I love it. Okay, <laughs> that that one's fun. Um, we're got we've gotten off track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Thaumiel is another one, which is not very. Com- I think there's only one series one SCP that is classified as Thaumiel. Because it was not very common then, and okay. it's still not very common. And the reason that it's there is because I believe it was, like, um, written later, because, again, deleted article or something. Thaumiel basically means it's helpful to the Foundation, and they use it, which used to be, like, a big no-no thing. Don't have them use it for anything. But, you know, they do now. It's okay. But, um, for example, SCP-3688 is... A series of kinetoglyphs. What is this? Physical and mental anomalous effects that occur when... It's something that happens when you move. It's an anomaly that you can do by making specific motions or dances. When you dance with a specific degree of accuracy, you become functionally invincible for the duration. Which... Occasional... Some people... Um... Yeah. So the the way they become invincible is the um, motions have been designed so that you can do them repeatedly in like a fluid motion. And if you do, no one will be able to stop you without your will. So like you'll basically the just bat- be able to keep doing it until like until you are like until you're stop. done with it. Until okay. until you decide to stop. Yes. The vehicle will split in two. If uh, there's a collision of a remotely piloted utility vehicle traveling at 70 kilometers an hour with the performer, the vehicle was split in two as its momentum carried it into and beyond the performer. I am getting a text message. I will turn off that phone. <laughs> Good job. Real professionals. Let me you know. Real oh, we're not. I guess we're replying. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep going with that. Uh, basically, they they drove a car into the guy and he was chill. He was still uh, he was still he was still he's still chilling, still dancing yep. away. Definitely not going to edit out that text. Probably actually won't. Um, but basically, people are allowed to use it. And uh, people have been affected. They've been effectively able to reverse engineer it, but they don't know how. They don't know why it works, but they know how to de- potentially develop additional movements that may do more things. Um, and there are more. Um, there's. Uh, one that creates a force field that requires two people simultaneously doing it. A temporal distortion centralized on the former performer, causing them to experience time more slowly. Uh, magnitude is related to how slow, how fast or slowly they do it. Um, one enhances uh, the senses, duplicates them, annihilates all solid matter within the target area, <laughs> requiring five targets, and the target is defined as the pentagon pentagonal area formed by the positions of the 
performers covering a height of approximately 20 meters. Successfully used twice only during testing and once during incident 3688-1, the west side incident. That's what we have. It's a dance that makes you invincible, and you can also they also reverse engineered it into other dances that do other things. Wow. See, those dance classes will pay off. Keep doing them. <laughs> My dad took dance lessons. <laughs> I think the guy was gay. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I guess. All right. <laughs> uh, there are some more. All right. Sorry. Uh, we support gay people here. <laughs> obviously. Um, oh, shut up. <laughs> what? No, that's... Oh. <laughs> um... There are a couple more non-standard classes, such as Explained, which there's a whole section of on the site that are only for the Explained ones, which is basically um, just ones that are fully understood. Like, there's one that, um, I don't remember if that's the one, but one of them is um, a person who was, yeah, it's it's an SCP that we figured out. One of them was a person that claimed to be from the future, um, and we found their biological double, who was much younger at one point, but... At the exact moment that this person claimed they were sent back, that biolog- that the younger version disappeared, and the older one died. Oh. That's always fun. I don't remember if the older one actually died or not, but I think that's what happened. It might not have. Who knows? But things like that, it's the type of thing that, like, we know exactly what happened. We may not know why, but we know what. And it's not happening anymore. If it's continually happening, unless we do fully understand it, it's not explained. It's something else. And then there's um, esoteric and narrative classes, which are just basically special ones. Um, Like, there's one that's a king's crown that's class is glorious, because I think that's part of it. Um, Some of them don't have a class because there's some other thing. Um, There's uncontainable, which is a fun one that is hard. People don't like it when you use it narratively because it's just kind of like, that's not the point of the whole foundation. But then there's, um, I know that Maxer... I am probably saying that wrong, is used for the Broken God proposal of SCP-001, which we will hopefully cover eventually. We, uh, we should cover it. That'll be probably a thing. The, the, the 001s are very fun, and honestly, I think some of them could each hold their own episode with just, like, one. Um, and there's, like, 15. So, that, that'll that be fun. But um, there's ones like Apollyon, which is... There, it's not very common, but it's the most common of the narrative ones because it's like it, it basically because there's more than one of it, uh-huh. um, which tends to be defined as will event it, it, escape of it is inevitable, and when it does, it'll end the world in an X clay or X K or Z class Z K class scenario, which we will talk about at some point, um, <clears throat> in a different episode. Okay, so yeah, that's most of the classes. Next, we have security levels, uh, which are clearance levels and are used most often, well, not necessarily most often, but they're often used to add immersion to a page, where it's like a link you have to click to show the rest of it, and it'll say, like, you need level three security clearance or something like that. Um, So, basically, there's six levels. Uh, There's levels zero through five. And level zero is official use only, which is for people that are like, they know of the foundation, but they don't really know what it is. They don't know about the anomalies, I think. This is my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you don't see these very often. 
the lower ones especially. But level zero is like a janitor in a front company. They know that they're in a front company, but they don't know like they, don't know they know what all it's the foundation. For. Yeah, but they, they know, know what, what it is. So they're not. Does. Mm-hmm. They know it exists. Not, not really sure specifically what it does though. Um, uh, level yeah. one is considered confidential. Uh, that's that's like basically uh, given a personnel working in proximity to, but not with like any direct or indirect or informational access to um, the objects or the entities in containment. Um, it's given to people working in clerical logistics or like janitorial positions um, at facilities with containment capability uh, or otherwise must handle sensitive information. So it's it's like um, it's it's for the I, I think you said it was like you're telling me about it earlier. Um, it, it's it's basically like it's the it's the in crew. It's just confidential people that like need to know what's there. Well, that's level two. Level one is more that's like two. Okay. people who are like it's like the janitors and stuff, like the people who don't need to know anything, but they're near it. So, okay. like that, this would be people in secure facilities rather than in like a front company. All right. Um, they're near things, but they're not directly interacting with them in in any way, even knowing about them. They don't. Level okay. two is so then yeah. From so then my level two is restricted. Yeah. That's like the people that need direct access to it. They need to know what's going on. Yeah. And my understanding of it is that every article on the site is available, most most of them, to level two personnel. And okay. that's like, if you need to know it, it, if you have level two, you can know things, basically, is my understanding of it. I might be wrong, but I believe that's what it is. They are uh, security and research personnel that require direct access to information regarding anomalous objects and entities in containment. Most research staff, field agents, and containment specialists hold a level two security clearance. So it's just the people that need to know them, but that don't need to know like details. Yeah, they need to they need level to know three, the basics of what's going on, but nothing too complicated. Yeah, they need to know. They need to be able to deal with it, but they don't need to know a ton about it. Mm-hmm. Level three is secret. Senior security and research personnel that require in-depth data regarding the source, recovery circumstances, and long-term planning for anomalous objects and entities in containment given most often to senior research staff, project managers, security officers, response team members, and mobile task force operatives. Yeah. So So that's kind of like, that's like level two, but they do know the details, if anything. mm -hmm. Okay. It's the people who know, like, where something was obtained, where it's planned to be for a while, if there's any future plans to do something with it, if there's more research to be done. This is the one that's most commonly behind, like, a little click wall. Um, level four is given to senior administration that require access to site-wide or regional intelligence as well as long-term strategic data regarding, regarding foundation operations and research projects given typically only to site directors, security directors, mobile task force commanders. Basically, these people know about the foundation's secret projects. Like, they know if there's a new site being built or if there's experiments going on. Something that, if it breaches, not everyone needs to know about it, but someone does, and these people do. Okay. So, and then level five, Thaumiel class, is given to the highest ranking personnel and is basically everything. You know everything. You can access any information you want and is typically only granted to the O5 council members and select staff. So, it's just, it's the highest. It's, you know, you can find anything you want on the wiki. Mm-hmm. The database. This is in universe. 
Yeah. But technically, the reader has level five class. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so, you know, just you since can, you're consistently able to access to... it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only way to access most of the information. You have to think on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then in terms of uh, personnel classifications, there's five of these classes. Um, one of these is much more commonly referred, to, like much more commonly referred to than the others, to the point where I've only really heard it a lot of the time. Uh, class A are basically the essentials. Um, in the event of an emergency, they're immediately evacuated. Um, at most, like they're immediately evacuated. Some risks may be taken, but not with their lives. Um, their O5 members are always Class A. They'll never be anything lower. Class B are deemed essential to local operations. Um, they only get access to objects that have passed quarantine, and they have to be those objects have to be cleared of stuff that could harm them. Um, in the event of a breach or hostile action against a facility, they are to be evacuated as soon as possible. Not necessarily immediately, but as soon as it is safe. Class C are most people, I believe. Uh, their direct access to most anomalies not deemed strictly hostile or dangerous. Basically anything that's not super, like anything that's not gonna hurt them directly immediately, mm -hmm. they can access. Um, maybe subject to mandatory quarantine, a psychiatric evaluation. In the event of a containment breach, they're report to secure lockdown areas on facility or evacuated at the discretion of on-site security. Class D personnel are expendable personnel, which is basically the main summary is they're expendable, used to handle extremely hazardous anomalies and are not allowed to come into contact with Class A or B personnel. Yeah. yeah so, so if like, you're A or B, you're not allowed to talk to the Class Ds. Yeah, so like, um, like we mentioned They're typically earlier, drawn... Yeah. I think like we mentioned earlier with uh, SCP-049... Er, no, it was with uh, Radical Larry... Um, the person at the bottom of the page that was uh, one of the test subjects, he was class D. He was an expendable. Yeah, he was one of the lures used to recontain Larry, I believe. Um, but they're also used for experimentation, things like that. And most of the time it doesn't work out great for them. <laughs> I mean, that's you sometimes... said, they are considered expendable, so like, it, that's yeah. not really the point <laughs> for them. But the, the main thing is, like, the Foundation does have an ethics committee, and that seems like an oxymoron a lot of the time. But yeah. I, I was gonna say some of the time, but then I'm like, no, a lot of the time. Most of the time. But, um, the main thing about Class D personnel is, while there are, some SCPs uh, say that there are other sources, uh, the main canon source is that they are drawn from uh, prison inmates convicted of violent crimes, particularly those on death row. Occasionally, they're uh, drawn from political prisoners, refugee populations, other civilian sources that can be transferred to Foundation custody under plausible deniability. Um, their memories are wiped, and they are terminated monthly, which is... Oh. Mm, which, you know, might mean a lot of things. There are some things that, like, <laughs> I think there's an SCP that's from, like, an alternate universe, and they just kind of yoink people from there and call them D-class, which is, you know, again, again, the ethics committee needs to <coughs> rename themselves. Um, class, e is, class E is provisional, applied to field agents, containment personnel. Basically, they've been exposed to something. They're, we don't know if they're dangerous or not. In the example of, like, a memetic thing, it might be like they draw a picture, and if you look at that picture, you'll be infected too, or you'll die, or something like that. But you don't know if they're 
Like, you don't know what they're going to do, but they're dangerous for now. You want to study them. That's why they're still alive. Mm. They're quarantined as soon as possible, monitored, screened for potentially harmful changes in behavior, all that. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, it's the second episode of the Secure Contained podcast. This episode we talked about, we've already talked about object classifications, personnel classifications, and personnel um, security levels. And uh, next, we're going to talk about some different staff titles. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about mobile task forces. Um, we're going to talk about secure areas, and we're also going to talk about, we're also going to do a new thing, which is at the end of every episode, we're going to discuss an SCP uh, submitted by you guys and picked randomly from a list. I've already submitted a few, obviously, but tweet your favorite SCPs at us on Twitter. Just a link, uh, just a number if you want, and I'll put it into the list, and it might get chosen for the next episode. Who knows? But uh, the best way to contact us is through Twitter, um, which is if there's... And also, we will contact you through Twitter um, in case there's an editing mistake or something and we had to update the episode, which I did have to do with the first one. So if um, you go back and listen and the intro, the ending music starts like a couple minutes before the ending, um, let me know because that was the issue that I should have fixed, but I don't know if it actually fixed on all platforms. Um, our Twitter is at scpodcastshow. Again, that's at scpodcastshow. Um, and if you really like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash scpodcast. Any contribution helps, and any contribution will get you some form of shout-out. Um, thank you to Kevin MacLeod for providing our music uh, under the title Twisting. And other than that, I think that's uh, all I got for you today. The next episode should be out Thursday of next week, which will be the 8th of November, and it should be on Cognito Hazards. How fun. Well, I'll let you get back to the episode now. See ya. Also, um, a variety of titles for staff, such as like um, containment specialists. They're teams called upon to re- respond to confirmed cases of anomalies to contain them. Um, there's researchers, which are the specific branch of the foundation drawn from the ranks of smartest and best trained researchers, research scientists from around the world, specialists in every field uh, imaginable. The goal is basically they're researchers. They research the anomalies to find out, hopefully. What's causing them? Though, okay. again, who knows? <laughs> um, so on-site security officers often referred to simply as guards. Again, they're 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 guards. They guard things. They protect things. That's what guards do. <laughs> guards guard things. What? Um, Dude, tactical response officers are response teams that respond to things such as dangerous anomalous entities or hostile groups of interest, which are things that we will talk about in a bit. But in uh, the field, there's field agents, which are the eyes and ears. They're like spies sometimes. They're undercover, usually in law enforcement, things like that. They're field agents. They look out for new anomalies or look out for old ones that they can't find. Um, 
mobile task forces, which, ah, uh, mobile task forces. We were going to cover them on their own, but I guess, you know, we have time. We can cover them here. You don't need to listen to another episode. Mobile task forces. They're, I, I don't understand how I thought we would be able to stretch this to a whole episode. Their task forces comprise of uh, various field personnel, veterans, drawn from over the foundation, um, and they're specialized to deal with certain problems. Like, I know one of the ones that people love to refer to just because it's in Containment Breach is uh, Nine-Tailed Fox, and I believe the story with that one is it is um, a field agent of nine different specialists that are all working together to be able to adapt and overcome most situations. There's ones like, um, I don't know the names. I don't know the names off the top of my head. I can, we'll refer to them later at some point, but, um, there's ones that deal specifically with medic things, with exploring things, with recontainment. There's, they're specialized again. There's a task forces document. Uh, let me just click through this real quick. Just list some names. Um, uh, Kappa 10 Skynet is um, a temporary designation until such time as it either does it. Shut up. <laughs> I'm wrong. Okay. Um, MTF Theta 90 Angle Grinders deals with anomalous topologies, geometries, and simple mathematical pro- problem areas. They're like, if there's a place where you walk in a circle and you end up in a different place, they deal with that. They hide it. Um, I see. MTF ETA 10, ETA, MTF ETA 10, this is one of the more common ones. It's called See No Evil. Um, they specialize in the investigation, acquisition, and initial containment of objects or entities exhibiting visual cognito hazards, visual mimetic agents, or otherwise require indirect or alternative observation in order to safely handle. Things that you shouldn't look directly at. Like there's um, some things that you look at them and you die instantly. Some things you uh, look at them and they start replacing and uh, you start seeing them everywhere. There's a lot of things that do that, and that and that's why they have their own names and stuff. Yeah, that's scary. There's um, MTF Alpha 9, Last Hope, is the Reborn Omega-7, uh, a mobile task force explicitly intended to train and utilize humanoid SCP objects in the field. They take humanoid SCPs and try to make them viable team members mm. and use them okay. in situations that require them. And these all have their own different, like, glyphs. Okay. And it's really cool. Like, they all have their own logos, and some of them are, like, modifications of the SCP logo. Some of them are different, but they're all really stylized, and they all fit the style. The, hold on. I just scrolled past one. MTF Moo 13 Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> specialized in the tracking, analysis, and containment of incorporeal or intangible... The, Ghostbusters. They're Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> There's the Dream Team. Oh. MTF Om- Omicron Hro, the Dream Team. The Foundation has discovered the method of becoming Wanneroy, and now with this power are more capable of containing them. For decades, they teach their agents the technique that allows one consciousness to join another. The few mentally hardened individuals that succeed are organized into a task force. The first of these is Mobile Task Force Omicron Hero. They can all lucid dream, which is where you're control of your dream and you're conscious of that you're dreaming so that you can do amazing cool things mm-hmm. and they also are trained in joining one another's dreams so that they can all go into and fight basically because there are a couple of scps that only appear in dreams okay so these are the ones this is the mobile task force to fight them so they sleep for their job i could be okay with that i think <laughs> well i mean there's also the fact that you could die from it from yeah, something well, you dreamt. 
you know, um, it's it's a win-win. <laughs> Dog cheese. That's uh all right. Um, <laughs> so that's what a mobile task force is. They're people that are mobilized in the event of an emergency or containment breach or attack and need to deal with anomalous threats um, quickly and effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, in administration, there are site directors, which are the highest-ranking personnel at a site, um, which basically means they are the boss of that site. And then there's O5 council members, the committee of highest-ranking directors of the foundation, with complete access to all information regarding anomalies and containment, the O5 Council oversees all Foundation operations worldwide and directs its long-term st- strategic plans. Due to the sensitivity of their positions, O5 Council members must not cur- come into direct contact with any anomalous object, entity, or phenomenon. The identities of all of them are classified. All Council members are referred to only by their numeric designation, O5-1 through O5-13. And there are numerous tales and other things on the site and theories as to who these people are. Some say that O5-1 is the administrator, the founder of the foundation. Some say that um, one of the O5s is Bright, Dr. Jack Bright, which um, is supported by Bright's proposal, which is that Bright founded the foundation and then also became an O5 member. Um, one of my personal favorites is that O5-13 is the reader, and that's okay. why you have access to everything. And there are a couple SCPs that and things that explicitly state that, but it's the fact that in any scenario, you have the secret codes, you have all the passphrases, and you have the immunity to the cognito hazards that you need in order to um, bounce around the site and just kind of read. And I think that's kind of a cool thing because it it's kind of like you have responsibilities, but maybe your responsibility is like making sure the sites, the database is up to date and everything. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe you're the one that's decided to keep all the dangerous mind things in your mind. Um, all right. Secure facilities are the place that the foundation does their work. They're um, where everything is contained, where all the research is done, where all the testing is done, everything like that. And there are two main types of secure facilities. Sometimes people mix these up mostly just because people like saying site blank instead of area blank, but who cares really? Um, Foundation facilities designed to sites are covert facilities, meaning that while the existence of the facility is known to the public, uh, such facilities are often disguised under government or corporate fronts. Sites are often built in locations in relatively close proximity to civilian populations where they would require such cover. There, say there's that one office building of a company you've never heard of. That could be, for example, some secure site. Um, it's the type of thing that it people know it exists, but they don't know the true nature of it. They know where it is and, like, kind of where it's at and everything but they don't like actually know what's going on which is it kind of also relates to some of the security levels uh that we were talking about earlier like they know it's there uh they know it's there they know kind of the general thing of it but they don't actually know like specifically what's actually happening mm-hmm. like sometimes it'll be a front like one of the fun things in the community is that if you have to write a front thing make sure the acronym is still scp and that means that anytime anyone finds a company whose acronym is scp it's always just posted everywhere. Like, I found a front, guys. And it's kind of fun. Um, Only kind of, though. And then, Foundation facilities designated areas are clandestine, meaning that their civilians are not aware of their existence, which means that they're often built far away from populations and may contain dangerous things, and they tend to have extreme fail-safe maneuvers, such as on-site nuclear warheads, oh. which will detonate in the event of a breach. Which <laughs> doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> basically they're like the underground one, they're like the Area 51, type of things like that, where 
people don't, or at least people shouldn't know that they exist. Some canons, they do know that they exist, but they don't know that they exist. They're, they're unknown. They, they are not known. Uh, sectors are areas that are designed for specific purposes, such as a containment sector, a research sector, storage sector, uh, sometimes residential sectors, possibly. And units are self-contained sections, such as those containing biological or dimensional anomalies, uh, anomalies that are designed to self-seal in case of a breach. Um, and they must typically undergo a full decontamination procedure. It's generally like, units are like areas for things that you would need to have like an airlock for, or like a decontamination room, like mm -hmm. some kind of airborne illness. SCP would have its own little unit with a little door and a keycard slot or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, prefixes denote special facilities. Um, and there's a little, quite kind of a lot of them. There are not two of them. Two, there's there's not two of them. There's <laughs> well, not there too many of them. Um, spe specialties in facility or facility sections, and generally only used internally. They're not used to like name them. There's um, armed facilities which have abnormally high security concerns. Basically, the guards are like fully armed and they have a ton of stuff. Um, in the case of a full facility. Uh, this typically entails a detachment of at least battalion or regiment strength. Okay. So there's at least a battalion or a regiment's worth of guards there. Which I'm not sure what it means, but someone might let me know. Um, biological facilities or bio facilities are, uh, deal with infectious or otherwise biohazardous anomalies and are both isolated and self-contained to prevent the possible escape. Containment facilities or facility sections are intended for the containment. They contain things. Uh, <laughs> dimensional or dim containment facilities or facility sections deal with extra-dimensional apertures or anomalies exhibiting inconsistent or warped space-time, like a portal or a region where uh, the hallway is longer than it looked at first type of thing. Okay. Except not just looked at first, before, like longer than it actually is measurably was yeah humanoid containment facilities deal with sentient sapient humans or near humans capable of understanding and complying with instructions basically they're a prison but for an uh, anomalies these are the type of things that would have like cafeteria they'd have basically it's for the ones that will cooperate and need they, they need livable standards type of thing mm -hmm. and this is where they are protected are safe zones without anomalies in them at all. Um, provisional are established or built around an immobile anomaly, typically containing only a single one. They're like something you can't move, you build a facility around it, that's a provisional facility. Uh, reliquary facilities are designed for handling artifacts and objects of religious or historical significance. Like uh -huh. there are things like, I think there's one that's some kind of, basically, um, I know that there are two SCPs that are completely different that are called Cain and Abel, and those I believe those are just nicknames. But um, well, you, things you know, like that. Yeah, you know what Cain and Abel, like who they actually are, right? Yeah, Abel yeah, killed Cain, Cain with a jawbone or something. Cain and Abel being They're, the sons of Adam and Eve in the Bible. Yeah, they were the first murdered. Mm -hmm. One of them died. Um, <laughs> but they're two completely different SCPs that are hardly related except for the names and... Uh, one thing between them um but there's research facilities that are designed for the handling and study of anomalies or anomalous materials there's storage ones which are for storage of non-anomalous or inert things 
with no risk of anomalous interaction. They're they're storage. They're storage facilities. What do you want me to say? Yeah. <laughs> you store things in them. Um. There's also sometimes observation posts, which are they're they're observation posts. There's a yeah, whole they're, like, description. They're there observation are some things posts. that are like they're pretty. You, you know what an observation post is. <laughs> I think you people know what a um observation post is. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna mention a couple sites and maybe an area or two um site 19 is the one that you'll hear people referring to a lot if you're joking about like oh a big containment breach you're gonna say site 19 site 19 is where the game scp containment breach takes place which is where a lot of people get into scp from which i'm okay with so long as you don't so long as you understand that the game didn't create the the wiki Mm -hmm. um it was the other way around (laughs) and it contains a lot such as 055 173 um 931, a bunch of... Uh, it, hundreds of safe and Euclid-class anomalies. Mm-hmm. Hundreds. Hundreds. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of them. It's a it's the largest one. Um, site... Site 62 uh, was formerly provisional and was built around SCP-004, um, which is a door that... Uh, let me make sure that this is the right one I'm thinking of, actually, before I do anything. Yeah, this is a door that has 12 keys. A bunch of them um, will, like, tear your limbs apart and put them in various places across the world. But this one will open <laughs> the door into... This this one of the 12 keys, don't get it wrong, will open the door into a big room that doesn't exist on the other side of the door. It just It's just there when you go through the door. It's mm-hmm. like a TARDIS if the TARDIS was just the door. <laughs> And this was the inside, and the TARDIS could kill you if you got the key wrong. Oh. But it's a site. There's things in it, um, including 579, which is something. Um, this is the type of thing where the, I always just, because of how it's described, I always imagined it as, like, if it was a movie, you'd open the door, and it would show the huge room, and it would, like, zoom into the room, and the camera would just kind of move across it, and then it would zoom out and show that you're actually inside the door itself. But you're not. That's not what it is. That's just kind of like it's a huge thing. This, like somewhere, um, humanoid containment site eighty-eight. Um, it, area thirty-two is my is. I'm just looking at this now, and it's my favorite out of the five areas listed on the website. <laughs> um, it's called Lunar Area Thirty-Two, and it's on the moon. That's chill. It's a couple, uh, several floors beneath the surface of the moon. And it contains things that are on the moon. Or significantly less hazardous if they're outside the atmosphere, which is like things. Also, my favorite thing about this site, I'm going to digress from for a second from the episode. Digress from everything. I might have said this before. My favorite thing about this site is the advertisements. Because I don't know what company is doing this, but it's all targeted ads. And because of this <laughs> yeah. site... All of them are for, like, security cameras, and it's the funniest thing, because sometimes you'll get to one that's, like, some, like, like a reliquary site, where it's, like, a big old religious thing, and then it'll advertise you, like, ooh, uh, Bible or something, but it's all, like, the same, like, color scheme as the website, so sometimes you'll see it and be like, why am I getting sold security cameras by this article? It's it's completely... It it looks like it is part of it, part of the site. All right, and to end off the um, episode, we're going to be doing one that we're going to be doing something that I'm starting for this episode, and that's that um, I'm going to 
we're going to do um, we're going to just read an article. We're going to read and discuss an article um, off a list that if you send um, if you tweeted us an SCP number, I'll put it in the list, and it might be chosen with either randomly or just kind of chosen by number. Um, and we'll just read it we'll at the end of the it. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's kind of short, I think. Yeah, it's it's fairly short. Mm-hmm. Um, its object class is safe. Do you want me to read it just so we have some like variability? In it? So yeah, sure. I've been things. reading a lot this episode, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> Hope you like my okay. voice, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if you want to cut that out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, SCP-999, its object class is safe. Um, for the procedures, it, it's allowed to freely roam the facility if it wants to, but uh, otherwise it's got to stay in its pen. Uh, it's not allowed out of its pen at night or off facility grounds at any point. Uh, its its pen is to be kept clean and food replaced twice daily. Um, all personnel are allowed inside 999's holding area, but uh, only if they're not assigned to other tasks or if they're on break. Um, it's to be played with when bored and spoken to a calm, non-threatening tone. Uh, in terms of description, it uh, 999 appears to be a large, amorphous, gelatinous mass of translucent orange slime, weighing about 54 kilograms, or about 120 pounds, with a consistency similar to that of peanut butter. Okay. Mm. Uh, subject size and shape constantly changes, uh, but most of the time it's in the size of a large beanbag chair. Um, real quick, how do you play with a beanbag chair? <laughs> um, it can move, though. It's in the shape of a beanbag chair, but it can jump around and move. True. Uh, other than a thin, transparent membrane surrounding the orange mass, <clears throat> the subject appears to have no organs to speak of. Um, its temperament is best described as playful and dog-like. Oh, that's cute. Uh, when approached, mm-hmm. 999 will react with overwhelming elation, slithering over to the nearest person and leaping upon them, hug, quote-unquote hugging them with a pair of pseudopods while nuzzling the person's face with the third uh, pseudopod, all the while emitting high-pitched gurgling and cooing noises. It emits a pleasant, uh, a pleasing odor that differs with whomever it is inter- interacting with, um, such as uh, recorded scents being chocolate, fresh laundry, bacon, roses, and Play-Doh. Trademark. Favorite scent. <laughs> My favorite scent. Um, yeah. uh, Play-Doh trademark. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply touching its face causes an immediate euphoria, which intensifies the longer one. Surface. Uh, yeah, simply touching 999's surface causes an immediate immediate euphoria which intensifies the longer one is exposed exposed to uh 999 and lasts long after separation from creature um subject's favorite activity is tickle rustling often by completing completely enveloping a person from the neck down and tickling them until asked to stop though it does not always comply with this request uh all the (laughs) creature will uh, dude that sounds like pure hell (laughs) um (laughs) While the, cu- while the creature will interact with anyone, it seems to have a special interest in those who are unhappy or hurt in any way. A uh, person suffering from crippling depression, I-dubs, after interacting with 999 have returned completely cured with a very positive outlook on life. The possibility of marketing scp 999 slime as an antidepressant has been discussed. In addition to its playful behavior, 999 seems to love all animals, especially humans, refusing to eat any meat and even risking its own life to save others, on one occasion leaving in front of a person to take a bullet fired at them. Um, the creature's diet consists entirely of candy and sweet, with M&M's trademark, and Neko trademark, wafers being its, uh, favorites. Its eating <laughs> methods are similar to that of an amoeba. It just absorbs them. So it's, it's just like um, a, it's like a happy blob. It's a happy blob of orange slime, and I love it. Uh, I am gonna just like kinda, not, butter. not quite, yeah, it's consistency of peanut butter. Uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna read this full, um, 
entry because I, I want you guys to have a reason to go to the site. Mm -hmm. um, an experiment where it was um, exposed to 682, the unkillable lizard whose thing is plot armor. Please stop suggesting to the Tumblr account on ways to kill it. Um, <laughs> not our Tumblr account. They're the, the wiki's Tumblr account. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's unkillable. It It's angry. It's um, omnicidal aside from itself. Meaning okay. it wants to kill literally everything. When it was in the containment area, um, it jumped up and down in a dogwick manner. Uh, S682 groaned and called it disgusting, which immediately stepped on it, completely flattening it. They were about to experiment it when uh, 682 grunted, said, hmm, unintelligible. What is this? Low noise, similar to a light chuckle. Feels all tingly inside. Deep chuckling. Feels happy. Basically repeated the word happy for several minutes laughing occasionally before escalating into non-stop laughter as it continues rolls around on its back slamming its tail upon the floor with dangerous force asked it to stop tickling continued it until 682 uh, appeared to fell asleep with what appeared to be a smile um when scp-999 was removed six by two d-class personnel um 682 immediately woke up and unleashed an identify uh, an unidentifiable wave of energy all the while laughing maniacally um, everyone within the range collapsed into crippling fits of laughter, allowing uh, 682 to escape and slaughter everyone in his path, <laughs> while, while 999 rescues as many people as it can, taking them to a safe place to recover, while agents suppress it. <laughs> so he's just, um, he's, he's a happy boy. Yeah, SCP-999 has not shown any fear towards the creature, has made gestures suggesting it wants to play with 682 again. 682, however, has stated that <laughs> quote unquote um, that f uh, feculent little snot wad can data expunged and die mm -hmm. I don't think he likes I it I think 682 might also have a thing of like kind of absorbing other anomalies but mm -hmm. I don't know it made everyone laugh um, one of the doctors requested the security tapes because it was fun um, <laughs> yeah 999 is a happy blob of slime and he's my favorite thing ever I love him He's, cute. He's just a little, little happy ball. Uh, yeah. That's about it. So, this has been the Secure Contain podcast. That's all we're going to talk about today. Uh, we talked about security classes, security levels, personnel, classifications, and secure facilities, as well as touching on mobile task forces, which we will continue to talk, uh, touch on in the future. Mm hmm And... That's going to be all for today. Uh, next week, we might have an episode up, uh, depending on how the timing works out. And uh, we'll see you later. Yeah. So Maybe. once again, uh, once again, I'm your host, David. And I'm your co-host, Soren. And that's been all for now. See you.